The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, October 1st, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 35. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Nick, Dave, and Amber along, and uh, we got 45 minutes of Cowboys talk with you guys today. We're going to be joined momentarily by Bucky Brooks, um, as we are every Wednesday and Thursday today. He's going to be talking about uh, the Browns' defense versus the Cowboys' offense. Uh, But until he gets here, we'll start first by catching you guys up on a little injury uh, information. Dave, why don't you tell us what uh, Coach McCarthy had to say this morning in his press conference with regards to the status of Tyron Smith. He's back. At least that's what Mike told me. They're at practice right now, and I'm in here on the show. So I guess I don't know that for sure, but Tyron Smith was at practice yesterday. Kind of a a miscommunication, I guess you want to call it. He was at practice. The plan was for him to go through individuals. But then he was listed as did not participate on the practice report. Uh, kind of some cross wires there because McCarthy today said, no, he, he did what we thought he would do. He went through individuals. But I think you have to mix into 11 on 11 to be declared even limited, I guess. Um, but... <laughs> We made sure to clarify. I think McCarthy asked, was asked like five questions today about Tyron's status, including, so he's going to do 11 on 11. He's going to play real football today. And he said, yep, that's the plan. So uh, always a good sign when somebody's practicing on a Thursday. I guess we'll see what the injury report says, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling optimistic about Tyron Smith's availability. I like your optimism, Nick. I'm, I'm sensing skepticism from what? you, or was it? No, I just okay. I'm laughing because I'm like he just said he, he got asked five times about Tyron Smith, and I'm thinking that's six more questions than he wants to talk about Tyron Smith. Right, I mean, exactly. and to me, I, we True. talked about it yesterday. When 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 you did not practice, you know, I, I just look at that like you're sitting in your room, you know, watching. Family Feud or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't practice. But being out there with the uniform on and doing stuff and actually going through the drills, I mean, I just think that would be classified as limited. But you would think. I, what do I know? I, yeah. I would think. I yeah. And what's funny is we kind of tripped McCarthy up because he was basically like, I don't really know what the designations are. Like, I... All I can tell you is that he was out there doing individual stuff, uh, and you know he didn't really have an answer for why Tyron was classified as it did not tr- participate. But like I said, I assume uh, you know you have to mix into the real football to be upgraded, I guess. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what it says at about three o'clock today, I guess. But it did seem like it was it was at least the plan that he would be practicing today, and if he practices today, yes. then you probably feel pretty good that maybe he can play. Uh, come Sunday when they have to face the Browns, particularly have to face Miles Garrett. Uh, give me an update on Demarcus Lawrence. What do you guys know about Demarcus Lawrence at this point? Mm. He is still expected to be with the rehab group. He's been, you know, doing the conditioning uh, with Britt Brown, the rehab director. Those those neon yellow cords we're all familiar with. Um, 
it sounds McCarthy also said, you know, like he hasn't had a setback. I think it's just injury management at this point. I would imagine this this might be a trend. You know, typically when you see stuff like this, it's a trend for a while until he can get get more healthy. Um, I think he'll I think he'll play, but I think this is a load management thing where they're not going to ask him to do a whole lot in the hopes that he can get some snaps on Sunday. And beyond that, I assume there's really not anything else the Cowboys are worrying about from an injury standpoint of guy could possibly play this week and maybe he's on the borderline. There are obviously guys that are hurt, but there are no other guys that that we're really keeping an eye on. Not really. I mean, it sounds like Trayvon Diggs is good and he's on the report, but I think he's good to play and, you know, he needs to play. So that that might affect... Uh, any anything he's got going on, anyways. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go ahead and uh, move our attention over to Cowboys offense versus Browns defense. Like I said, uh, we should be joined here momentarily by Bucky Brooks uh, to talk a little bit about the, that matchup. But um, let's start first with a conversation that I saw kind of being had around Twitter um, surrounding uh, the Cowboys offensive strategy, particular to the running game. And when you look at how the Cowboys are running, I think they're running effectively for what they're trying to do. Um, I think Zeke's been good. I don't think this is ever is an issue. And I saw a stat yesterday that I kind of dismissed. It was kind of stupid. But the Cowboys and the, and the Jets are the only two teams in the league that don't have a run of over 15 yards. I really don't care. Zeke is putting up the kind of production he put up the first two games. Now, last week, obviously, they were having some issues getting the running game going. But those first two games, I felt like it was a productive running game. That all being said, do you guys buy into this concept that maybe the Cowboys need to run the ball more in order to protect their defense? Because if you get into these shootouts, your defense is on the field a long time, and it really exposes them. Let's start first with you, Amber. I think it depends on your opponent. I guess you can buy in the whole idea. And also depending on how the game is going, there are sometimes that you just want the Cowboys to, to go ahead and get the ball moving and get points on the board because we keep talking about the tempo and can they get, get into that rhythm. So I think depending on the opponent and how the game is going, Otherwise, I, I, I would like to see the Cowboys run the ball more, use it more, because it does buy them or help them kill time a little bit more to help your defense in that way. But I would just base it on how the game is going, not as a, as a specific idea to go into it every week. Nick? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, you know, it, it's always, you know, dictated by the game and the opponent. So, but, but, you know, and I wrote right after the game, I do believe that, that, that there, it, it's, an, it wasn't a complaint about the play calling to say, why didn't they run more? It's more about the fact that they couldn't run is hurting them, you know, and, and it's not, you, you can just say, well, look at all the yards. Yeah, but they needed to run the football there at the end of the game. Uh, when they had the, uh, you know, they were down two, they needed to get a field goal, maybe even a touchdown. They couldn't even try to run the ball. And I thought that that, that would have burned some timeouts by Seattle. Um, that would have burned, um, you know, more minutes off the clock. And so they they do need the ability to be balanced and and run it. Yes, they are moving the ball, but when it gets down to it, they they still don't don't have the ability to run it. And then a lot of that is 
the ineffectiveness, you know, ineffectiveness of the offensive line. I mean, they, they seem like they want these agile guys, you know, but not really the maulers. Think about it. Connor Williams is a tackle in college. Now he's moving to guard. He's got these quick feet and all that, but I, I certainly don't see it helping in the screen and, you know, wide and all that kind of stuff. So they, they are missing the fact that they don't have big, strong guys that can, I mean, they're big and strong, but they're not like the mauler types. Dave? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I mean, 57 pass attempts is probably not ideal if you're trying to win football games. But I think I said this on Monday right after the game. is like I've seen what it looks like when they just stubbornly ram their heads into a brick wall, even when the passing game is working. And I commend them for going with what's working. And, and I mean, you know, to, to go to Nick's example of the last four minutes of the game – there, there's a point there, but at the same time, like you can accomplish the same goal by throwing the ball. Amari Cooper has 25 receptions through three games. He is, you know, and, and Dak Prescott's completing almost 70% of his passes. Like you can throw to run the clock and extend drives. The Cowboys took two shots at the end zone on that field goal drive. They didn't have to do that. They could have looked shorter and looked to keep the offense on the field a little bit longer. But I think Dak was probably feeling himself with with the success he was having with Michael Gallup and was just trying to go for it all. But passing the ball can keep you on the field the same way that running it can, especially as as much success as they've as they've had getting their guys open. So, yes, I would like to see the run be a little bit more successful, but I commend them for adapting and not just stubbornly going for one and two yards per carry. You know, I I brought it up on Monday too, like the Viking game, the Vikings game last year, they put themselves in holes and, and wound up in way too many third and longs, despite the fact that the pass was working because they wouldn't go away from the run. So I, I admire the fact that they changed it up to go with what was working. Uh, But maybe there are ways that they can throw the ball or run their offense to keep themselves on the field a little bit longer as well. Amber and Dave, I want to go back to something that Nick was talking about with the run. And, and their, it, it sounds like, Nick, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're saying you're a little bit concerned about their ability yeah. to run the ball. That being said, Amber and, and Dave, we'll start with you, Amber. Are you concerned about their ability to run right now, basically looking at this last game particularly, and, and some of the problems they have, particularly in the middle of that offensive line with being able to run the ball? I mean, it, it, it is concerning because you don't have your usual offensive linemen playing the way that, that we are used to seeing them. So, yes, when there is a change like that, it is going to affect your, your running game. And, and we know Zeke has all the power and strength to push through and, and get those extra yards that we always see him get. But at the same time, it there's only so much you can do and after seeing last game and the inability of them really getting Zeke going and them being able to rely on the passing game I do think that regardless of the situation I do think that it's going to start improving with what they were able to get from last game so I hope that made sense I'm I'm just thinking that the running game is just going to keep improving I don't see it getting worse okay Dave what do you think no, I'm, I'm definitely not concerned. I mean, it's way too small of a sample size. The running game looked just fine the first two weeks, including against the Rams, who have a pretty stout defensive line. Uh, Zeke averaged four and a half yards per carry. You get Dak involved. I mean, they ran for 140 yards in that game. So tired. No, I'm, I'm not worried about it. If I mean, if it keep, you know, if that's a trend over multiple games, sure. But one week where an opponent was able to do it, and by the way, wasn't able to stop the pass. No, that doesn't bother me. 
All right, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Bucky Brooks. We're going to ask him that question. Uh, he had a lot of things to say this week on Twitter uh, regarding the Cowboys and running the ball and needing to do it more. We'll talk to him about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter. 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. They're grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines, you are why we fly. To the break. There are tickets still available for Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns at AT&T Stadium Sunday, October the 4th. Limited number. Tickets are on sale. Get yours. DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. We got Bucky Brooks joining us from NFL Network. Welcome to the show, Bucky. We appreciate you joining us today. And uh, we're going to start where we normally start. I want you to walk through, and we got some something we're going to get to a little later. But I want you to first start with... Give me your, your greatest strength and greatest weakness of this Browns defense. Well, their greatest strength is right up front. Miles um, Garrett is obviously the guy that you have to stop. He's the focal point of their defense. He's playing at a high level. He's Superman off the edge, athletic, fast, disruptive. He's added some tools to his toolbox when it comes to being a pass rusher. He is a nightmare to have to deal with in one-on-one situations, but he's joined <laughs> by a guy up front that you have to yeah. keep an eye on, and that's Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon Richardson is a dominant interior player, and if he has an opportunity to win against an interior player on the inside, he is going to be a problem. And so it starts up front. In the secondary, they're fine. Uh, Denzel Ward is their number one playmaker in that back end. He has the ability to snuff out and compete against number one receivers. But really, it's all about their pass rush. If they are able to harass the quarterback um, and have success like we've seen them have success, they can force turnovers because they want to get their eyes on the quarterback and get turnovers. Now, I heard everything you just said and the players that you mentioned, and they, are, they have talent, but I do feel 
very, very comfortable this week. I feel like this game, the Cowboys are going to go in there and dominate and start scoring points everywhere and get the ball moving. So, I don't know. I just want you to make me a little less comfortable. Oh, man, you're very confident. I'm, I'm a little more worried. This is a scary <laughs> game for me looking at it because um, the Browns have kind of found their identity, and their identity stems from their offense. The reason they're able to win games of late is because they've discovered the running game. And so by playing uh, a little more conservative on offense, running the ball, controlling the clock, limiting Baker Mayfield's pass attempts, they put their defense in position to play with the lead and to play in favorable situations. And so I just worry about this being a game where the defense can't control it. So now the offense is forced to throw on situations where everyone knows that they're throwing. And then that allows Miles Garrett and Sheldon Richardson and those guys to really come after the quarterback. And I don't think that's the kind of game that Dallas wants to get into, despite their offense being so prolific. Dave, you're up. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I thought Nick went before me. My bad, everybody. Uh, that's great, because oh. I don't want Nick to steal mine. <laughs> and um, you're going to steal mine. Bucky, I think before before you hopped on, we were talk- Nick actually was talking about oh. uh, the lack of, of power on the Cowboys' offensive line, specifically on the interior. We all know about Miles Garrett. That's all well and good. But I'm curious, what did you think of Tyler Biotish when he got into that game the other day against the Seahawks? And, and was he impressive enough? I'm thinking not just Sheldon Richardson, but Larry Ogunjobi, too. Do you worry about their power up front? And, and is Biotish worthy of a look to maybe help address that? You know, I actually like the reshuffle line, the way that it played out. When they put Biotish inside, uh, it allowed them to put Zach Martin on the outside. And I thought the edges were a little better. Uh, the problem really doesn't necessarily stem from Biotish. I think the guys who, from defensive terms, they would call Waldo will be Connor Williams and Joe Looney. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, those are the guys that are the weakest links. And so what we're seeing is when the Cowboys have problems up front, particularly inside, one of those guys are typically the culprit. So how do you protect those guys? Um, it's tough because you want to protect the interior, but then you don't want to expose the guys on the outside. At least with Zach Martin, you kind of feel, you, you believe that at least on that right side, we're protected. We can slide protection a little more to the left and maybe get by. But it's tough because when you're not great up front, it really limits what you can do. We can talk about running it, throwing it, or whatever, but you're very limited with what you can do with the patchwork offensive line that you're working with right now. Well, I don't want this to be my question, but you said it <laughs> about uh, Waldo, and I, and I do re- recall Dave and Amber had a nice little Twitter exchange last year during a game. But can you explain where's Waldo and what that means in a scouting term? <laughs> So where's Waldo is when you're going into the game, you're trying to figure out who the weakest link is. And what you want to do, you want to target those players. In old school terms, in old school football, what they would do is during practice, those guys would wear the yellow jersey. A lot of times it would be secondary people or whatever, but they would wear the yellow jersey so everyone knew that those were the guys who were the targets. Well, looking at the offensive line, Connor Williams and Joe Looney, they will wear the yellow jersey because they have had the struggles and those struggles have shown up on tape. How they play really dictates how the Cowboys play. Mm-hmm. And so they're the ones who have to kind of get it done if the Cowboys offense really wants to play at a high level. Yeah, I'm going to go again because I don't think it'll make it around. Um, speaking of that, sort of where's Waldo? Miles Garrett gets to, gets to rush probably from both sides. So if he gets to choose between Brandon Knight and Tyron Smith, I have this feeling he's going to be – uh, rushing from the left side, does, does he does he do that? Does he go to all over the place? Because I have a, yeah, I have a feeling he'll he'll probably go that route. 
Waldo like. You know, the, the, the funny thing about defensive coordinators, when you put bad stuff on tape, they're a little more adaptable. When they see that the Cowboys are having problems on the edges, they may have Miles Garrett come from either side. The one thing that we've seen on tape with Brandon Knight, when they line up in a wide nine alignment, like really outside of the tackles, outside shoulder, he has a problem because he's worried about his own ability to kick, slide, and step on the outside move, and it makes him susceptible to the inside move. So we saw Alden Robertson get a sack on the inside pressure because of that. They see the tape. Miles Garrett is going to test him with his speed and quickness initially, and then he's going to try and find a way to work inside. This is a huge challenge for the Cowboys. It's one of the reasons why you're worried about them throwing the ball 35, 40 times because the more that you put it up there, the more times that Miles Garrett is going to make an impactful play, and that's not what you want to see from the Cowboys. So looking at all those options that you've seen the Cowboys run out there and tackle between Brandon Knight, Terrence Stills, Zach Martin, uh, obviously Zach Martin is the best player, but I want you to factor in moving him from guard. Who do you think is the best option for the Cowboys? Let's assume Tyron plays on the left side. Who do you think is the best option for the Cowboys at right tackle? Well, I mean, if you can kick it over, like depending on Terrence Steele's situation or Brandon Knight, you have to evaluate which one of those guys is playing better and which one is comfortable. Naturally, Steele has played right tackle, so you're probably more comfortable there. And if you go that route, maybe you feel like you have three and a half solid players, meaning that you feel good about Tyron Smith, you feel good about the center situation and Zach Martin, and then maybe you're hoping that we can kind of mix and match how we're going to help Connor Williams and Terrence Steele. It is a tough situation because for so long, Dallas has been so good with the offensive line that it hasn't been a consideration. You're able to just run your offense without thinking about what puts the offensive line in harm's way. It's different now, and so it has to impact your play call. Um, Bucky, we've seen the Cowboys have some struggle. The Cowboys offense specifically have some uh, struggles with controlling the ball, you know, little drops here and there where they shouldn't have been, there shouldn't have happened. You know, the, uh, things that are a little unusual for veteran guys to be doing. But as far as the their, uh, their defense goes, how good can are they are just taking away the ball or just getting their, their hands on the ball? Well, it all starts up front. The disruption happens up front. All of the bad things typically happen when Miles Garrett and company are being able to get around the quarterback. And the way that you can do that is you stop the run on early downs if the Cowboys elect to run it. You put Dallas in backed-up situations where it's obvious passing downs. So now they can spread out a little bit. They can pin their ears back. They can get in those track stances and come after the quarterback. Here's what's concerning about the Cowboys when you look at them over the last couple years. When Dak Prescott throws the ball over 30 three times they're 13 and 20 in his history over the last 19 games 14 times he's had to throw it 33 or more times when the turnovers begin to happen more throws they win 81 percent of the games when he doesn't have any turnovers they only win 18 percent of the time when he has two or more turnovers the more you throw it the more you put him in harm's way and so it's kind of the conundrum that you find yourself you want to throw it because it's the best option based on your personnel but when you do that, the odds go up that he is going to turn over the ball. And that's been the biggest issue that the Cowboys have had. Run game, all that, the turnovers are killing them. If you eliminate the turnovers, then you have a chance to win games. This kind of, this kind of complements that, Bucky, because, I mean, I, I do hear what you're saying, and I understand that Lamar Jackson has arguably the best tackle duo in the NFL, but 
Baltimore absolutely diced this back seven. I'm look. I mean, he averaged 11 yards per attempt and had 300 yards and only threw five incompletions. So, how do you balance, you know, the danger of having Dak drop back against the very obvious reality that that's not something Cleveland defends very well? I think you you take this game and treat it in two halves. I think the first half you're super aggressive when you come out throwing early downs. You're trying to run up and see if you can get a 14-point lead on the Cleveland Browns. That is the way that you want to play. Fast, aggressive, early down throws, attack, put points up on the board early. The second half then becomes a little more of a balanced game where you're mixing in running throws on those early downs and you're beginning to control the game. But the first half, you can pay the first half at a frenetic pace and really try to put points up. I just think it has to be in Kellen Moore's mind I have to get to a certain number of rushing attempts, not necessarily for the production, but to make sure that the clock is running. And I will say this. I came on here a couple weeks ago and I advocated the Cowboys playing fast. They're playing faster than any team in the league. The problem is when you play that fast, the offense is in a rhythm, but you give the defense more opportunities to be on the field, to be exposed. It's that fine line of playing fast, but also calling the game from an offensive standpoint to protect my defense. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but let's flip it on the Browns. Who's Waldo over there? Like, who, who's wearing the yellow jersey here in practice this week, and who are the Cowboys maybe trying to exploit? Can we do that? Can we go bulletin board material? I mean, look, yeah, I mean, look there, there are plenty of, of people for the Cowboys to exploit because I just don't think the Browns can cover all the weapons on the outside. Um, Denzel Ward is their number one, but Terrence Williams and those guys are certainly vulnerable. The problem is... Can I find a way to protect, to give them shots? Because Dallas hasn't been a 12-personnel team with two tight ends, you can't really go max protect and allow Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup or C.D. Lamb to go to work. And so you have to figure out a way to maybe hold the tight end in and maybe do some three-man routes where you can push the ball down the field while still protecting Zach, protecting Dak from having that pass rush right in his face. When you, uh, I know earlier yesterday, I think it was, you said that uh, you thought that this offense that the Cowboys will be facing, uh, the Cleveland offense, was as talented, if not the most talented offense that they would have faced so far this season. Where do you rank this defense? Like, especially the defensive front, where do you rank them relative to the other teams the Cowboys have seen so far this year? Uh, I would put them behind the Rams, maybe right there with the Falcons, maybe a little ahead of the Falcons because you would swap out Grady Jarrett for Miles Garrett. Both of those guys are kind of comparable in terms of like their command. The thing is the outside pass rusher is dominant. So I would say you're looking at the Atlanta Falcons defense. And remember, early in the game, couldn't control that that defensive line. The first quarter was problematic. Turnovers were coming because the pressure was so immense. They had to turn up the pace and the tempo to kind of slow them down and get the game under control. I think that's what you're potentially looking at, how the Atlanta Falcons started out the game with their defensive uh, pressure really harassing Dak Prescott and causing turnovers. Before we let you go, I did have one more question I wanted to ask you. Cleveland right now is ranked fifth in rush defense, only allowing 282 rush yards so far this season. Um, That being said, uh, are they more susceptible to the pass than they are the run? Um, and is, or is that just a function of how the games have played out so far for them in the first three weeks? 
No, they're still very vulnerable in the back end. Um, when they're not able to get home, it's a problem. Also, it's the function of who they really play. Like they faced the Washington Redskins, they faced the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow threw it 60 times, and they conceded yards from 2020, found a way to slow them down in the red zone. So some of that is the numbers are kind of skewed based on how they played. This by far would be the toughest challenge that they have facing a Cowboys offense. So we will see how good they are. Dallas can be in attack mode, but I think the biggest thing is game management. If the Cowboys just take care of the football, don't give it away on offense, and don't make mistakes in the kicking game, they should be able to win this game. They have to tend to their own knitting. If they take care of the football, they should be able to walk away with a W. All right, Bucky, man, we appreciate you joining us. That was really great stuff. We'll see you again next week Thanks, uh, when we, uh, when we uh, match up to, to talk about the next opponent of the Cowboys have. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to get to some questions I have for these guys, maybe get to some fan questions. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back to the break. If you're going to the game this Sunday, just please be aware of all safe stadium policies prior to arriving at AT&T mm-hmm. Stadium. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash safe stadium for details. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check that out so there are no surprises. You know surprises. exactly what you what you got to do in order to come and enjoy the game, and hopefully you have a great time enjoying the Cowboys versus Browns. All right, let's jump back in. We're talking about the Cowboys offense versus the Browns defense. The question I have for you guys is a uh, similar question to what I asked Bucky. Uh, this defense has only given up uh, or has not given up 100 yards or, or not giving up more than 100 yards per game. They're giving up on average 94 yards per game. They're ranked fifth in rush defense in the league. Uh, is this the week for the Cowboys to consider going more run heavy? Or is this one of those weeks where you say this team clearly appears to be 
one that is better against the run than they are against the pass. So maybe you're going with the exact same strategy that you've had in some of these other games. Let's start first with you, Nick. Well, you know, it was clear last week that they, they were starting the game just pass, pass, pass. And, uh, you know, I, I think just that being said, because you, you, you do try to change it up, I, I would imagine uh, they're going to just try to run the ball a little bit more just because you don't want to put tendencies out there. There's quality control coaches out there for a reason. So uh, I would imagine they will not start the game like they did last week with I think it was six or seven straight passes. I mean, just and they were they were moving it, but I, I think that they'll try to to you know establish Zeke earlier. Amber, um, I don't know what it is about this game, and I know that the Browns, as supposed to previous years, they they have bettered their team. You know, they do have a lot of talent, and I get that, but. For some reason, I'm just not as worried or concerned. So I do see this game, even though everything that Bucky said, I, I get it, I heard it, I processed it, but everything. But I still, I, I still feel okay, and I feel that the Cowboys. This is the game that they can use to kind of find the balance, find just kind of play around with both things, and just try to figure out exactly what will work best. And I get that every game and every opponent is different, and you have to plan for whoever you're facing every week but I do think I see this game as something where they can just play around with trying to find the right balance between both I'm not as I don't want to hear it on Sun. I, I don't want to <laughs> hear it on confident. Sunday Amber when Miles Garrett has his third sack and you're like oh the Cowboys are they're awful they're so bad no like it it turns out the Browns are, are better than, than people want to give them credit for, I think. Hey, Amber, um, actually, Dave, real quick, I, I was just going to say, I think Amber might be thinking yeah. about next week's game against the Giants. That's the one that, that maybe she's thinking oh. of this week where she's not as worried. I'm worried. I don't know about everybody else. I'm worried. Hey, I don't Dave. know what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. It's because it's the Browns. They haven't had a win. This is the first time they've had a winning record in six years. Oh. 2014 was the last time before this week they had a winning record. So... It makes sense that it makes sense that you feel that way based on the logo, but based on the <laughs> roster, I think you should feel a lot more worried than you are. Um, I, I look, I didn't drive the CD Lamb train to pound the rock fifty times. Let's wing this bad boy around. I understand it's going to be tough with uh, with Miles Garrett coming after you without Lyle Collins and hopefully with Tyron Smith. We'll see, um, but. I just think I, – I, I love what Bucky said. Throw it early. Try to get up a lead. Baker Baker Mayfield can't keep up with them. If they're humming the way that they were uh, the, other day, the other day, you know, Russell Wilson's a whole different animal. I think, you know, th you're going to have to win shootouts with the way this team is constructed, I think. Maybe not – Maybe not 40 to 39 every week, but like, I, you know, the Cowboys are going to need to score in the 30s most weeks to win games, I think. And uh, passing gives them the best bet to do that. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, one one stat that stuck out to me stuck out to me uh, about this Browns defense. They have allowed six. There were six opportunities where teams had fourth downs, and they converted all of them. They're six of six in giving up fourth down attempts by their opponents. So obviously, you look at the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, and and a lot's been made about how aggressive he tends to be. Do you think this is a week where he is a little even even more aggressive on fourth downs, knowing that this team has not done well so far this season mm -hmm. on fourth down attempts? Let's start first with you, Dave. Um, I don't I don't foresee him being more aggressive. I mean, and, I mean that's an interesting stat, but I'd also 
love to know the context. Like, True. are they give? Have they give? Have they given up six fourth downs of three yards or more, or were five of those fourth downs fourth and inches where you really like your chances to convert no matter what? Um, so, I don't think that's that is going to make Mike McCarthy more aggressive. I just think he has shown through three weeks that he's willing to be aggressive pretty consistently. So, I would guess we're going to see a fourth down a tenth or two this weekend i would guess we're going to see them opting to do that over special teams plays but that's just that's just been a trend through three weeks more so than because of anything the browns do amber um well if the if mike mccarthy's stats guy come into the office and present this stat i think that mccarthy would probably be like hmm okay take note of that based on on the fact that he he's spoken about statistics before and all that so i do i do see him going for it obviously it always depends on the situation and how many uh yards you need to convert there but i i do see him just based on that i see him being aggressive just like he's been so far this season Nick, uh, just it's going to come down to down and distance, and just see you know how uh, you know what what situation it is. But I, I do think that you know that that means to me that the Browns, you know, are not tightening you know the ship when it when it's fourth down. I mean mm-hmm. they they're they're able to you know teams are able to convert. Now I don't know exactly all, all of those, but uh, I don't think you're going to be worried about it as much. All right, Amber, real quick, let's get a couple fan questions. We haven't had a chance to get to some of those fan questions. Let's see if we can get a couple here before we end the show. Okay, I have one right here that says, uh, this person is saying, it's been implied a few times on the show that Mike Nolan uh, is a great coach. I've gone back to look at the teams and the defenses he's been a part of in the past. Am I missing something here? What has warranted so much praise? Anyone? I'm trying to, right here. No, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this, I, and I'd have to go back and listen. I think the big thing that I've always said with Mike Nolan is experience. I mean, if he was if he was great, then I think he wouldn't have had as many jobs as he's had over the years. So yeah, I mean that that's a fair criticism. I just think in terms of you know what we thought bit the Cowboys a lot last year was guys learning on the fly. Uh, you know coordinators who are in their first year on the job guys who don't necessarily have a lot of experience Mike Nolan might not be the best coach in the world but you can't say that about him I mean he's I imagine he's seen everything the NFL can throw at you and like I've said already this week that gives me optimism that he can adapt his game plan uh, to fit what he's working with as opposed to um, other guys that have been here in the past so it's fair though and maybe that's part of the offseason hype train that you know, new doesn't always mean better, I guess. But I think his experience, at the very least, is valuable. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you know it's easy to say, well, you know, when you're doing an uh, implementing a new defense, that maybe you know it, it's you're behind the eight ball when you don't have as much time to to practice and and you know with the off season the way it is. But I mean, I think he's one of those guys that's proven to be a pretty good coordinator, a versatile coordinator. Um, but you know, through three games, it, it it hasn't it hasn't happened yet. But I mean, let's just wait and see. Let's see what happens when you face. You know, the Browns, the Giants, the Cardinals, 
let's see what happens at these three home games and if we're having a different opinion over the defense. If, it, if it's just average, if it's still bad, if it's maybe decent now, I don't know. Let's try to get another question here, Amber. Uh, I think it was earlier this week where we, some, one of us, someone mentioned Randy Gregory and the, you know, when he gets back in and all that. So there's a question just kind of uh, going back to that whole subject of what happens when Randy Gregory gets back into the team. How much are you guys expecting him to be of an impact? I, I think. I mean, I expect him to. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Uh, no. I, I think I think um, McCarthy said he, he was he's you know making some progress. He said he said that today, um, but you know the, the good thing about him is that schemes and all this stuff. He'll come in at times on third and seven, third and nine, and he's got one goal. And that scheme is, and that plan is the same when he was at Nebraska, when he was, you know, in, in Rod Marinelli's defense. It's go get the quarterback. So I, I'm not saying it's as simple as that, but you can. That's a good way to ease him in on passing situations to say get around, you know, the edge and try to get to the quarterback. We'll we'll continue to work with the rest of the scheme. If he can just get in and rotate, then that that's enough for me. It's funny because, you know, maybe Alden Smith is changing people's expectations of what you can do after a long time away from the game. Yeah. But Alden Smith was also a 20-sack all-pro at one point during his career. We haven't seen that from Randy. Actually, Randy's walking past me as we speak out on the practice field. Um, You're not supposed but, to see that. I mean, the guy had... Well, he's walking inside. I'm not giving away strategy. <laughs> I know. Uh, um, anyway, um, he had he had six sacks in 2018. Uh, you know, I think he can rotate, start out somewhere between 25 and 35 percent of the snaps, and and I bet he can contribute a handful of sacks to this defense once he gets up to speed. I have a follow up question on okay, that, Amber. Real that. quick, Amber. Real quick, oh, I want to ask these okay. guys. Um, like right now, you, you look at this team, and Alden Smith obviously is performing above expectations. He's leading the league in sacks. But I, I think all of us would probably agree that you're not getting as much pass rush as you maybe hoped for from Everson Griffin and, uh, and from uh, Tank Lawrence. That being said, do you think that maybe part of the issue is scheme-related? We are seeing these guys out in coverage some. That's not something that – that, that Tank has done, I know, mm-hmm. here before. Do you think that maybe some of the things they're asking them to do schematically are affecting their ability to be able to be effective pass rushers? Mm, I mean, you can say that, but I don't think they're in, they're in coverage that much. I mean, the 3-4 defense is, is designed for those guys to get wide and to kind of really uh, open things up and, and get to the quarterback. So everything I've ever been told about a 3-4 scheme, or at least guys that are standing up, is that it should allow them to get to the quarterback more so I'm not there yet to say that it's it's the scheme so much I, I just I, I, don't, I don't know I don't I don't think that they're as healthy as they need to be or conditioned you know remember Griffin was off all offseason and before he signed with the Cowboys so I mean I just think that they're 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 working back into this but I, I don't know if it's scheme just yet Dave it- Everybody was so sick of the last scheme by the time the you know Rod Marinelli and and that staff finally left. So even if it's not great, I'm just I, I, you got I got to be a little bit more patient before I'm talking about blowing things up three games into a new situation. Um, like I said though, like I, I mean, there's there's got to be ways you can tweak uh, to to make to make improvements in the meantime. I'd love to see Mike Nolan blitz a little bit more often. I don't think the Cowboys have done enough of that. 
But as far as like overhauling things, it's you know it's week four of the first year. I'm I'm not there yet. Amber, what do you think? Look, I I I I've never been on a football field without wearing heels. So <laughs> it's tough for me to say certain things. But the way I see it, all of these guys are at a professional level. So there is a certain knowledge and expectation once you hit the NFL. And to me. I just don't understand how complicated or how difficult it is for, for these guys to be able to adapt to something that the coaching staff is doing, to be able to adapt to something new. And, and, and I keep mentioning this because I, I keep hearing it from certain defensive players where they talk about wanting the, the game to be simplified a little. And, you know, we talk about the secondary and the miscommunication there. So... I guess I'm just having a difficult time kind of understanding why this is so difficult after, I guess, three weeks that have gone by. Yeah, you know, the thing about it for me is as I look at that, Amber, just particularly to your point, this is a fast game. And we all have been on the sideline during games. We see how fast this game moves. These guys are big, but they move and they move quickly. That being said, I don't think it takes like if you're just even second guessing yourself just a bit, like if you're off just a tick it makes a huge difference in your ability to be able to get to a certain spot or be able to be effective in pass rush or whatever it is that you're trying to do on the field. And that's where I do kind of understand the idea that if they're not completely, if they don't completely understand and are just playing just by instinct because they know the defense, um, that that could be a problem for them because I do think it may slow them down just a little bit. They're thinking a little bit too much. And when you have to do that, that slows you down just a tick, and that may put you off, especially when you're playing position like linebacker or when you're coming off to try to get a pass rush to get to the quarterback. Like, time is important. And so if you're off just a tick, I think that could make a, a real difference. And I think maybe, not saying it is, but I think maybe that could be a part of the factor, a part of what we're seeing here from this defense so far early on. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we will break down all the final breakdown that needs to happen, Cowboys versus Browns, tell you who's going to win, and uh, give you our predictions for the game. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!